Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. I thought about this before I speak. I want to speak about the gift. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's been a rough season, obviously, for everybody. And uh, this time might even be very difficult, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Uh, and I don't have to spell out the issues, whether it's inflation or someone passed in your family or you've been sick or you lost your job or in between, whatever, jobs. Um, sometimes it might be hard to give thanks. You know, the scriptures tell us that we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Well, you know, our gates, the gates might have been a little rusty for us right now. But I came across this verse this week and it says this, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. <clears throat> now, most, when I would hear that, I would right away think it must be one of the psalmists that wrote that. Uh, possibly David. But no, Jonah wrote that. Jonah 2.9. He said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. He wrote that, he said that while he was inside the well where it was totally dark where what was that like and he never knew if he was ever going to get out of the whale this was before God released him but he took a position to thank God not for the situation but in the situation you know give thanks to God in in everything not for everything in everything and I just wondered before I even go any further if you're in a tough spot right now, I mean, it's just been tough. In fact, you would say it's a miracle that I'm even here. If you're in a tough spot, could I ask you to stand for a moment? I don't want to embarrass you, but can I ask you to stand? Wherever it is, you're making decisions, choices, the body's not working, the marriage is not where it's supposed to be, the money's not there where it's supposed to be, your mind, you're going through emotions, you're having a hard time sleeping, night terror, terrors, whatever it might be, just stand. And let's just obey God right now, and let's just thank Him with a voice of thanksgiving, right where you are, just thank Him. Thank Him. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you are good. I thank you, oh God, that your promises are yea and amen, all 7,000 of them. I thank you that I'm here today, God. I thank you that Jonah said that he would lift up a voice of thanksgiving in the midst of his situations. So God, we lift up our voice and we say thank you for you are God. You are the great God. You are almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and you're mindful of where I am. And I won't complain and I won't criticize but I'll thank you. I'll lift up a voice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the goodness of the Lord, to the goodness of the Lord. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that as they go through this season, whatever it might be, that they'll lift up their voice daily and give you thanks, not for the situation, but in the situation. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, let's applaud him. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in the next 20 some odd days, depending on when you give out Christmas gifts, uh, gifts are going to be the issue. All kinds of gifts. Thank you, my brother. 
I need to remind him that he's okay now. He can leave me. Um, sometimes we forget and they're up there for hours and their fingers shrink from playing so much. But uh, the worship and the musicians, come on, weren't they great? Come on. What a great church. You have a great church. It's designed beautifully. I'm so happy to be here. We love you guys. Of course, we love Pastor Al and Pastor Chrissy and the whole family and what's going on in Philadelphia and everything. We're so proud of you. And in this season, we give out all kinds of gifts. There's gift cards, there's gift wrapping, there's gift paper, there's the return of gifts, there's the re-gifts, though I know you don't re-gift anything, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's the time of gifts. And uh, Pastor alluded to it a moment ago. Um, I want to talk about the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this in Acts 2.38. It says this, and you will, that's a promise. Whenever the Bible says will, that's connected to a promise. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's a gift. In fact, um, Jesus' last instructions to his team uh, before he ascended into heaven was this, Acts 1.8. But you will, again, promise, receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Pastor was just talking about that in a moment, about the power. And you will be my witnesses. A witness is just someone that saw something or is aware of something and they conveyed that. And uh, we're called to be witnesses. In fact, God left the gift of the Holy Spirit for two reasons, so that we can serve and that we can be witnesses. And I appreciated what Pastor said, that you don't have to be a theologian to be a witness. You just need to say what you know. Once I was blind, now I see. Who could argue with that? One, 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 at one point in my life, I was running and doing things or just absent of God, and now, and now I'm aware of God. Now I want to be with God. It's, it's what you know. And uh, the main character in the book of Acts, which covers about 30 years, is not the apostles, but it's the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts follows the four Gospels, and it's, it's the history of the church, the church being born and what it was doing. And uh, you know what? This time, Christmas, you know, just the word Christmas, Christ is already being said in it. And it's a great opportunity for us to use this time to invite someone or to mention to someone about possibly coming to church. Oh, if I came to church, the ceiling will fall down. Well, you can guarantee him it won't. I'll sit right next to you, and we'll be okay. But it's a great opportunity, and if not in the building, how about Zoom? How about online? How about just your witness alone? This is such an opportunity for people to be very aware about Christmas, about Jesus coming to earth. And uh, the Holy Spirit that's mentioned in the book of Acts, it's mentioned over 50 times. So obviously God wants to get it. You know, someone once said, if the Bible mentions something more than once, we should think twice about what it says. Well, here the Holy Spirit's mentioned over 50 times. And, and if there's anything we need to understand, and I'm fine with theology and, of course, with doctrine, but if there's anything we need to understand, we need to understand the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus left the earth, went back into heaven, and he said he was going to send us the Holy Spirit to enable us, to help us, to empower us to do what we're supposed to do, serve and be witnesses. On that last night that Jesus was with his team, he knew what was going to happen. He knew in the next 12 to 14 hours, he would be arrested and beaten and, and traumatized and abused and then eventually killed. He says this to his team. 
He says in the um, Gospel of John, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will, again, a promise, he will give you the advocate to help you and be with you forever. That's John 14, 16, NIV. An advocate is someone that stands alongside, that vouches for you like a lawyer. Listen to it from the Amplified Version. Same verse, John 14 to 16. And I will promise, ask my Father, and he will promise to give you another helper. So in those times when you need help, pastor's not around. Your brother or sisters are not around. The Holy Spirit's around. He's another helper. He's another comforter. When you need comfort, there are seasons that we go through that we all need comfort. And he is your comforter. He's an advocate, again, like a lawyer or someone intervenes for you. An intercessor. Do you know the Holy Spirit prays for us? Now, listen, I'd appreciate it. Pastor would pray for me, but you're telling me the Holy Spirit, he, the third person of the Trinity is praying for us. He's an intercessor. He's a counselor when I need counsel. He's a strengthener when I feel weak. He's a standby when I need someone to stand by me, to be with me, to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit, yeah. That's why Jesus said, it's better if I go away. When Jesus was here, he was limited to one place at one time. But now the Holy Spirit is here in Chicago. He's in Philly. He's in, believe it or not, he's even in Queens. <laughs> It means God could do anything if he can get the queens. Same night, same night, same team around the table, what we know is the Last Supper, John 14. He says this, he, the Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. He will guide us. Well, I, I, I don't understand that. Then wait and let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you. Maybe it's too much right now. Maybe he has to work some things out in your life to teach you. But he will guide you. You know, we teach children how to do certain things. and some, We have to wait till they get to a certain age to learn certain things, like how to drive a car, how to use the stove. But it will come. The Bible says here, the Holy Spirit will lead you or guide you into all truth. Same chapter, same night, a few verses later, 1426. And the Holy Spirit, he will, promise, teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. You know, people say, well, how did Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John remember everything? Here it is. Here it is. How did Luke know everything to write about the book of Acts? Here it is. The Holy Spirit reminded him. The Holy Spirit reminded them. Brought back to memory. Brought back to recollection. Everything is God-breathed when it comes to the Scriptures, 2 Timothy. So God, the Holy Spirit, is guiding and leading these men as they wrote. They didn't make up these stories. This was his story. Same night, same night, same team all around the table. John 16. But when he, he is a person, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's twice. He said that in 14, 17, and he said that in 16, 13. Again, when the Bible mentions something more than once, we need to think twice about what it says. The, Jesus made sure he told this team that twice the Holy Spirit will lead us in all truth, that he'll guide us, that he'll direct us. Because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. You get great teaching here. Amen. This is a safe place. Amen. And I know that the pastors and their team, they believe that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a person. He's a person. He's God. He's the invisible presence of the power of the invisible God who dwells in every believer at the point of salvation. The point of salvation. The disciples were with Jesus for three years. And come on. Could there ever be a better Bible school? Yeah. 
I mean, they, they lived with him. They walked with him. They ate with him. They spent time with him. I mean, it was the best Bible school ever. But yet still, they didn't get an awareness. They didn't get an understanding of what they were called to do until they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they were with the Holy Spirit. They were born again. They were baptized in water. They had the Holy Spirit when they accepted Christ as their Savior. But there was a difference. There was a, an empowerment that was done when they were baptized. And um, D.O. Moody, who obviously comes from Chicago, he was a great evangelist in the 19th century. He, uh, he said that uh, uh, trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is like trying to breathe without lungs. In other words, it's impossible. In fact, he was known for always speaking about the Holy Spirit. And someone said, Moody, why do you always talk about the Holy Spirit? He said, because I leak. We all leak. We all have days like here right now where we'll be filled and we'll leave here full of the Holy Spirit. But then there's tomorrow or maybe even tonight or Tuesday or Wednesday. And that's why we need a constant refilling of the Holy Spirit. We need that power from God to come in and fill us. You know, I read one time someone explained about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and the lack of. And uh, it said, like, uh, if you would have a, a, a refrigerator all full of food, great food, just great vegetables and fruit and meats, but it wasn't plugged in. And eventually all that food would just rot. We have to be plugged into the Holy Spirit. You can have a whole bunch of qualities in your life that are great, but if you're not plugged into the Holy Spirit, those things are not going to ever reach the potential they're supposed to reach. Amen. It's a gift. Acts 1.4. He said this to the disciples. He gave them this command. Notice, command. Not just a suggestion, but a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father had promised. Now, what's interesting, most of the disciples did not live in Jerusalem. They were down in Jerusalem when he mentioned this because the uh, Feast of the Harvest, Pentecost, was coming. And uh, they lived, most of them, in Galilee in the north and um, he told them to wait and most commentators believe they waited in the upper room where those verses I just read to you earlier in John 14 and 16 where they had the last supper they waited in that upper room uh, and they waited for 10 days now obviously they couldn't stay there all day long there was no indoor plumbing there was no indoor electricity they had to buy provisions but for the most part there was a for the lack of a better word a prayer meeting going on for 10 days Jesus was on this earth for 40 days after he died and rose from the dead. He was sharing the kingdom of God with people as he appeared to multiple people at times, sometimes just one or two, sometimes up to 500. And uh, he told them to wait in Jerusalem after on that 40th day when he ascended. And they waited 10 days. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days. They just followed the command and waited for the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Mary, Jesus' mother was there the last time we heard about Mary the mother of Jesus, when she was in a prayer meeting. His brothers who didn't believe that he was the Lord before he died and rose, uh, they did believe now they're in the prayer meeting. And, uh, that, and that's why, as you do here and as we do it in New York, the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. It's when we wait on God. It's when we fulfill scripture and we wait for the Lord. And in this prayer meeting, they're sitting just like you're doing now. And all of a sudden, Acts 2 records this. When the day of Pentecost came, which is, 50 days after the Jewish Passover, and for us, it's 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, a sound, now notice it's a sound, 
It's not an actual vibration. It's a sound. Sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of all of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this was a phenomenon. They were sitting there. Uh, maybe they were reciting a psalm. Maybe they were singing a psalm. Maybe they're just waiting quietly. Maybe someone would leave out in prayer. We don't know. The Bible's silent about that. But they were in a rubber room, all sitting like you're doing right now, in one mind accord, waiting for this promise that Jesus talked about. They didn't have the explanation we have today. Remember, they had no Bibles. So they're just waiting and waiting for what God promised. And all of a sudden now the sound comes in and these tongues of fire appear. And then all of a sudden, these 120 of them, what the Bible says in the room, began to speak in other languages. In fact, on my count, when you read it, there's about 15 different languages. Egyptian, Persian, uh, Greek, uh, different languages that they were not schooled in. So this was a phenomenon. They began to speak in languages that they didn't even know before the Holy Spirit came. To, to help us to understand that when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he enables us to do things we ordinarily would not be able to do. Amen. Humanly impossible. Amen. Humanly impossible. I can't speak Greek. I can't speak uh, Egyptian. I'm lucky if I can get across with English. <laughs> but all of a sudden, now I can speak Greek or I can speak Egyptian because the Holy Spirit came on me. The, the, the same tongues that just a few days before, before was denying Jesus and calling down curses and doing things, arguing over who was first. Now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on them. Now they're saying things that they never dreamed of before. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. When we allow him in our life, he enables us to do things we never dreamed of before. I, listen, I hated to go to school. I did not do good in school. And when God called me to be a pastor, I thought that was a big joke. I thought he was messing with me. Because now I got to read and study. I went to Catholic grammar school and high school, 12 years of parochial school back in the 50s and 60s. They beat you when you didn't know the answer. They called it education, but it was a beating. It was abuse. So I didn't like school. I didn't do well in school. And then God caused me to be a preacher, caused me to be a teacher. Well, for the last 37 years of being a pastor, God's enabled me to do this. God's enabled me to do this. Let me... Thank, thank you. In fact, Maria, we just celebrated 47 years of marriage. Wait, wait. Okay, if you keep clapping, I'm not going to finish. Wait, wait, wait. I have a time I have to, I'm allotted to. So we celebrated 47 years of marriage, but we were the worst candidates to get married. I mean, the drugs, we were living together, just reckless living. But when we said yes to Jesus in 75, then everything changed. The only reason why I could be the husband and the father and the grandfather I am is because of the Holy Spirit. The only reason why Maria could be the mother and she's a great mother and a great wife and a great grandmother is the Holy Spirit. You want to be a good father? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to be a good mother? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to be a good son or daughter? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's continual. It's not just on a Tuesday night prayer meeting or a Sunday morning service. It's an everyday part of our existence. Calling out to God, asking God to help us. Remember when, 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 when I read to you from Acts 2, when they were speaking in other tongues, it got so loud. Remember they had uh, wooden, they didn't have glass windows, they had wooden doors over the windows, but the noise went down into the street. 
And people are saying, oh, they're drunk. They must be having a party up there. Those crazy hillbillies from Galilee. And um, yeah, well, some commentators believe that that's what they were called. Anyway, uh, they're, they're drunk. And Peter would not allow that to be said. So he goes down with his team. He says, no, no, we're not drunk. We're just filled. The Holy Spirit came on us. The, 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 the prophecy of Joel 2 came true. On your sons and daughters. On, on our sons and daughters. On our sons and daughters. Parents, you can pray for your children even now. Fill my child with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be long. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be really religious. Just simple. Jesus spoke to the people as they could understand. God, fill my daughter. Fill my son with the Holy Spirit. So they can do the very things you've called them to do. And then, and then Peter goes down there, who was afraid just a few a month ago, gives this incredible sermon. No notes. No preparation. No one playing on keys. And 3,000 people get saved and are baptized. You know what I think? In my opinion, I can't prove this, but I wonder if some of those people that got saved that day on Pentecost might have been on that Friday morning in Jerusalem when they were screaming crucified. And then something happened in that time span where there was now conviction. That's why you might have invited someone to the, to the Christmas presentation last year and they didn't come. Or maybe you've done it for years and they still haven't come. Don't, don't, don't miss an opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Because they might be in a different season. They might be facing a different season. You know, it's, it's amazing how God used these men that were arguing and, 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 and saying things that they shouldn't and, and weren't formally trained to now when you read the book of Acts, bold and miraculous and speaking like, like educated, uh, trained preachers. But it was God in them. And the disciples, you know, again, it's been said, of course, they weren't formally trained, but in Acts 17, the Bible says they turned their world upside down. Wouldn't you like to turn your world upside down to the people that live with you, your family, your friends? <clears throat> and you know what? There's something about admitting, God, I need you, because God's drawn to weakness. He's drawn to weakness. And you say, God, I, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I can't just do this on an education. Teaching is good. Um, I'm all for teaching, of course. But it's not going to be teaching alone. It's going to be the Holy Spirit bringing that teaching to light. That's going to enable you to do what God's called you to do, to serve him and to be a witness. You can make all the vows you want and promises, but it's the Holy Spirit in you that's going to enable you to fight temptation. Zechariah 4.6 said it this way. It's not by might. It's not, it's not by power. It's but my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And the early church, guys, I know you know this. The early church went through struggles. And we're living in a day and age where, you know, it's not cool to be a Christian. You're irrelevant. You're, you're, you're a dinosaur. You know, I mean, and, and you, you watch the news and you watch those that are in, in, in political offices that we ought to pray for regardless of what, what, uh, what side of the aisle you sit. We're always supposed to pray for them. But, you know, there's a culture right now that, you know, if, if you believe the, the Bible is hate speech, they tell us. Um, and... Uh, it, 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 it can get tough. They went through tough seasons. They got persecuted. They got arrested. They got beaten. There was corrupt uh, politicians when they lived. There were corrupt priests when they, when they were around. But what, what did they do to get through this? They prayed. They prayed and said, Holy Spirit, fill us again. Give us the power to speak boldly. 
They, they didn't shrink back. They didn't criticize. They didn't condemn. They didn't do protests. They just prayed and said, Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit that opened up doors and set them free and did things that were amazing, that enabled them to be such a force at a time where being a Christian was not popular, just like today, just like today. For a church to be filled with the Holy Spirit has to have people filled with those. A church is only good as the people that have come to it. But church to be a praying church has to be filled with people that pray. Again, that's why prayer meetings are so important. We gather to pray. Paul, writing from a prison, wrote to the church in Ephesus that he founded, 5th chapter, 18th verse. He said, be filled. Just be filled. When? All the time. Keep asking all the time. You know, I don't know how much time you have in the morning. You know, depending on our lifestyles, it's different. Uh, when I had children, I had to get up and do devotions with them, get them off to school. Now it's just me and Maria. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but you know, you, you have to go off to work. There's certain times and all that. When I worked for my dad, I had to be in the, in the shop at six o'clock to plan menus and stuff like that. But if you give God, God could do a lot with a little, right? Five loaves, two fishes, feed 5,000. Come on, he could do the miraculous. You give him a little time and every day when you get up, before you get over, do all the things you need to do, just say, God, fill me afresh and anew. Fill me, fill my cup, Lord. Today, give me my daily bread of the Holy Spirit. And then as you go through that day, you'll be amazing what God can do for you. God's power is stronger than any addiction, any temptation, any confusion, anything that might be resulting, and it will be beneficial to your life no matter what you're facing. It's only the Holy Spirit that gives us boldness. It's only, remember the disciples, they weren't bold before they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but once they were filled, they were bold. They, they were a mighty machine speaking on behalf. And the Holy Spirit gives us contact, uh, gives us contentment, even when Things are not going well. It was like those that stood up before. And you're going to give a sacrifice of praise, even like Jonah, if you're in the, even when you're surrounded by your circumstances, like Jonah was in the belly of a whale. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're content no matter what you're facing, with a lot or a little. That's why Paul says, I can, I can praise God with a lot or a little. I've learned to be content. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us healthy marriages and healthy families. And guess what, guys? It's free. If it's free, it's for me. It's free. The Holy Spirit is free. Salvation is free. Forgiveness of sin is free. That mansion that's waiting for us in heaven is free. It's all free. It's just for the asking. It's just for the asking. The gift of the Holy Spirit is free. And all we need to do is ask. The disciples, Luke 11, they, they recognized that um, when they were with Jesus, he would get off often to go to a uh, pray and be with the Father. And then he would come back and the miraculous would happen. And uh, they went to him one day and said, the disciples now, these are his disciples, uh, teach us how to pray. And um, they didn't ask to teach us how to do miracles or how to preach, just teach us how to pray. And so Jesus began to begin to break down how they should pray and he gave them a model, not a format that you should follow uh, literally, like our Father who art in heaven. That was a, a model for them. And then he began to tell them, uh, ask and seek and knock. And don't just ask once. Just don't seek once. Don't just knock. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Some people say, well, if you ask God more than once, uh, you're lacking of faith. Well, Jesus prayed three times in the garden, and he prayed the same thing. I don't think Jesus was lacking of faith. There are times you need to, you need to uh, pursue. You need to intervene. You need to press in. So he began to tell him about asking and seeking and knocking. And then he says this. 
He says this, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being though evil or a sinner, know how to give good gifts to your children. So the context is about gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who pray a lot? No. Who read their Bible every day? No. Who come to church all the time? Serve? No. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's how easy it is, guys. We just need to ask. And sometimes we forget to ask. Sometimes we get so busy with what we're doing or what's around us, and we forget to just start from them and say, Father, I need the Holy Spirit. I need counsel. I need wisdom right now. I need teaching. I need direction. I need guidance. I need, you to, I need some comfort right now. And to bring clarity, you know, the, the Bible talks about the different attributes of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and Romans, just for your, for your record's sake, for Romans 12, verses 4 to 8, it talks about a, one body with many parts. That's the analogy, the metaphor it's using. But we operate in those giftings uh, according to the grace God's given us. And, and, and listen to some of the giftings from the gift of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, generosity, leadership, mercy. Those are some of the attributes of when we're filled with the Holy Spirit that God could awaken in us and use us in ways like we never thought before. Another set of giftings from the gift of the Holy Spirit is recorded in Ephesus. And these gifts are given to some men and women so that the church could be built up and used in the purpose that it's supposed to be used. And that's for apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Now, 20 years after Acts 2, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, who had issues, like every church, who had issues. I think on my count, I think there was about eight to ten issues they had to deal with. And Paul was writing the letter of the First Corinthians to them to help straighten out some of the things that uh, they weren't doing very well. And one of them was the use of the gifts, the giftings of the gift, and those spiritual gifts. And you, you can read uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14, but those spiritual gifts, those power gifts, it says this, it says those, that, that they were giftings of wisdom and knowledge and faith, healing, miraculous power, prophecy, discerning of spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are all different attributes. And when we see the gift of the Holy Spirit, God then assigns these other giftings or, or attributes to the people he wants to use. And it's God's decision. So never feel like you're less than if you don't prophesy or you're not teaching or you're not an evangelist. It's God that enables us to do what we're called to do. I'd like to have all nine gifts, but God hasn't given me all nine gifts. He's given my wife different gifts than he's given me. And we've got to be, on, on the, be on the, uh, mindful of that and understanding of the purpose of that. And, and, and lastly, there's the fruit of the Spirit, which I'd like to say, if I may, is more important than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because you can have the gifts and not have the fruit. And yet Jesus said, they will know you by your gifts, They'll know you by your calling. They'll know you by your fruit. Because fruit is character. Fruit enables us to be more like Jesus than the gifts. In fact, you know, the Bible says that in Romans that the calling and gifts of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. So I wish this wouldn't happen, but I could operate in gifts even though I'm not really living right. And I think we've seen that, unfortunately, in the last couple of years. So I, I want to say, God, you know what? Yeah, I want gifts and I, I want those power gifts, but I, I want to see the fruit evident in my life, 
That's more important to me so that I can love and have joy and peace, so that I can have patience and kindness and goodness you, I, and, and, and kindness. You know, I, you can be right and not be kind, but being right is not a fruit of the Spirit. Being kind is. And so important for us to recognize. Thank you. It's so important for us to recognize. What about self-control? That's why some people are afraid, if you talk about the Holy Spirit, that the church is going to get messy. The means going to get messy. And um, there has to be a move. I mean, like they thought the apostles in the room were drunk, so I guess that got a little messy. But one of the, one of the results of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. So you, you don't have to be crazy to be full of the Holy Spirit or get crazy. You know exactly what you're doing, and if God moves you in a certain way to express your praise, that's fine. But there is self-control. I know this doesn't happen here, but, you know, in Queens, sometimes uh, I'll have to go to someone and say, you know what, I think you need to just calm down a little bit. Uh, Pastor Toledo is teaching, and you're making a lot of noise here. So afterwards, you know, we'll clap together. Well, I couldn't help it because the Holy Spirit got me. Well, the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits is self-control, and you have no self-control. So something's off here. Either you're right or the Holy Spirit's right. So... Why don't we talk about that later? But right now, sit down and be quiet and listen to Pastor Toledo. In closing, and I'll ask my brother to come back if he would on keys. 23 years after Acts 2. I'm doing this purposely because I want you to see almost a span of three decades of the church still needing the same gifting. 23 years after Acts 2. Acts 19. Paul is in Ephesus. And there were these 12 disciples, and Paul picked up something in them that uh, he questioned. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, well, no. Uh, we were baptized. Uh, they were disciples, but they, they were missing something. They were, it's, 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 hard, it's, it's hard to put your, your finger on it, but there's just there's that anointing. There's that sense of God. That was just missing. Like we were having worship before. You can sense the presence of God. When Chrissy was reading that song, you can sense the presence of God. And, 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 and when someone prays, you can sense the presence of God. And uh, Paul picked up something on these disciples and he knew that, well, something's missing. And so he prayed for them. And then the Bible says they were all filled and they were prophesying and speaking in tongues and and remember, the gifts are up to God's determination who speaks and what. But there is a sense of a move of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I felt my assignment today was to, was to give us an opportunity to pray and ask God for the filling, fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and to help remind you that it's just not for this morning. It's every day. Like you need lungs to breathe, you need the Holy Spirit to live a victorious Christian life. 